From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 84. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Uh, hey, I I thought we were going to bullshit for a while still. <laughs> we just actually just started? Okay. Yeah, we have. Hello, Johnny. Well, you know what I got to say, Simon? That was amazing timing because I was about to say it's really gray here this morning and it's going to be rainy and literally the sun has just broken as you as your voice started like as you began speaking the sun came out wow wow so we, we don't have to ask you about the weather this week that's, that's no that's, that's good that's no good. the weather made itself apparent excellent and just to finish that sentence and hello perry hello it is hot as balls in hong kong and i just had dinner right okay All right. those two things are not related yeah. Well, well seeing, seeing that this podcast has already gone wrong, um, let's let's try and bring it on track. And we we missed at least one email uh, the other week, and I think we should let's let's do emails right from the start, there, eh, Johnny. Oh, ah, hold on a second. I was I I dropped something. I was bending down under my desk. No, I don't read any f- emails. <laughs> okay. Well, if you, if you're going to be like that, we're going to have to get Graham Jargo from the. Uh, Sunday 16 podcast to read them so um, go ahead Graham okay we've got some great emails this week this first one is from Ian Fleming who writes in Simon Johnny and Perry great episode and good discussion on 3D Uh, I did research when moving to HD from SDTV for my job some years back and yes it's not all about just pixels and resolution the human perception of scenes is greatly dependent on contrast and lighting a lower resolution can look better given the right contrast and lighting to the human eye welcome to my horizon user club thanks for the humorous and informative podcast that really you have right about. I, I, I know one thing that you you, you dropped out at a, quite a crucial moment there, and it sounded like uh, Ian was talking about STDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well uh, that's that's that that's good, and um, well that's more of a statement really. So, uh, but we have another email. That was the one that we didn't do the, the other week. But uh, we've we got an even fresher email from from Ian. So, uh, do you want to take that one away? Uh, sure. Um, he writes in. I work as a train driver in a local botanical garden. There's actually a song about that. I think you go. To Wait, is that actually a job? As a train driver in a local botanical garden. <laughs> when I met you, um, and today while taking my tickets, a young couple came by. The man had an A7. R11, which I think is a sort of robot, with a nice my optics lens on the front. I rather took them by surprise by showing a bit of interest. They were Hungarian, and it turns out they listened too. I don't know their names as I was working and didn't want to seem too bonkers. Can we just clarify? He got to the point where he was discussing what podcast that they listened to, but not what their names were, and he didn't want to seem too bonkers. Good work, Ian. As um, he's driving this train. Yeah. <laughs> he's driving it. <laughs> um, anyway, it's great to meet fellow listeners. Regards from Ian. <laughs> where do they have trains in botanical gardens? Is it like yeah. one of those miniature trains that everybody sits on the top <laughs> of a little car that looks like it's a full-size car, but it's tiny? I, I think it is. I think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's a bullet train. It's like a Japanese bullet train from begonias <laughs> to, to juniors, Yo. you know. 
Graham, you have just increased your uh, film street cred by like a thousandfold by saying A7R11. <laughs> Great. That's fantastic. To be honest, he was my favorite part of the most recent Star Wars movie, so uh, I am a big fan. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, it's, it's, it's always cool coming, coming across... Um, uh, listeners of uh, our podcast and or any other podcast, if, uh, if if like like yourself, you'll you'll come across those as well. Uh, uh, I'm going to call you Jeremy there, uh, <laughs> Graham. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just amazing sometimes how there's just this recognition. I know that uh, um, who's the guy within Chicago, Johnny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you get this all the time, don't you? People make special trips to see you. They, they, yeah, apparently, and they also call me up randomly in the middle of the day when it's really busy. Sometimes it's pretty, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I have yet to have anybody arrive on a miniature train, though. That will be the day. I'm. That's the day I'm looking forward to. But yes, it's ama- It's amazing how the real, the virtual world seeps into the real world from time to time. Because I thought this was the real world. I don't know. I'm confused. Cute Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, this this is cool because um, very cool. One thing I'm going to talk about later is uh, I met up with a podcast listener over the weekend, and it turns out that he discovered our podcast after Aid came on because um, he was a Sunny Sixteen like devotee. I mean, I'm glad we got that. It's it's interesting you bring that up, actually, Perry, because that does speak to what we're planning to do as the next phase of Sunny 16, which is basically like a film photography Tinder. Um, where people <laughs> sign up <laughs> and, you know, would like to film kind of thing, you know, and that's that's what our next big mission is. Uh, just take the log out of analog. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for explaining your position on that that issue. Um, <laughs> Can you send me the sign up link for that? By the way, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, thanks. absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, yeah, we'll we'll come on to um, uh, what's the guy in Hong Kong's called? Oh, we'll get there. That was it, Perry. Um, yeah, we'll come <laughs> we'll come on to uh, onto that and your your oh. your, your date uh, a little bit speaking, later in the show. Speaking yeah? of speaking of people's <laughs> names. Um, Wait, how do you pronounce Graham's last name? Um, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. how do you pronounce my last name? Simon? I thought it was like Lego with a J. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, this, actually now this, this is sort of reminiscent to what we were talking about earlier in, in the, the run-up to this show where we have a, a name of a group Oh, I can't name the title now because Wait, that will actually give uh, everything away. So I can't do that. We'll have to talk about that one later. I, I um, mean, I mean, we can we can just ask him, right? I'll be honest. I think one of the people on this call does have a pretty good idea of how you pronounce my name. Uh, yeah. you, you, I mean, you you two, Johnny and Perry, you were closer. Simon, you were so far away. It's Jago, like okay. Sago or um, Say Go, um, but not Jago I have or no Jago, idea. whatever. I have, you. I have no idea why I said Jago. I I, I say Jago in my head, but it just came out Jago. <laughs> Well, I was a bit insulted, but never mind. I mean, that just makes me think you were thinking of a blooming um, villain from Shakespearean plays, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, he was singing Ninjago. <laughs> you know, every time I see your um, profile picture with that like hoodie dark look and then your surname attached to it, I don't know why, 
but I get like a mental image of a British juggalo. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going now. That's what Jago is holding. I'm I'm not doing well with names this week. I've I've already forgotten two of my co-hosts, and I can't say Jago right either. Uh, well, there you it, go. Yeah, it's all right, Simone. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's 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 move on to our our next message from Matt oh, Jones. Right. Graham. Matt Jones, go on. Yeah. Okay, you want me to? Okay, one second. Okay, uh, Matt Jones. So this is uh, this is the first comment I understand that you've had on your new YouTube channel. It is. It is. We're yeah. really we're really proud of this. So thank you, Matt. That's very good. So uh, Matt uh, comments, nice show, lads, and I appreciate the Chicago food do's and don'ts. <laughs> Sounds like I must watch this. If I ever feel, if I feel, if I ever visit, it won't be such a steep learning curve. Um, what, so what are the Chicago food do's and don'ts? <laughs> uh, don't get shot while you're eating. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty, pro tip. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's the pro tip. Don't get shot while you're eating your food in Chicago. Good, good. Yeah. I feel like I've got, uh, that's a learning curve I've climbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Can I move on to this next email from James Thorpe? This is, uh, this is an email email. Uh, James writes in, say, what a pleasure to hear Mike Novak again. Not that he was allowed to speak the first time. Aside from his encyclopedic knowledge of all things camera and hot dog related, I have to say he has one of the most soothing voices I've heard. <laughs> he really should be reading audiobooks. Or maybe doing some of those ASMR videos. Maybe you could get him doing some of those on your YouTube channel. Um, thanks again for another great podcast. Next time I'm in Chicago, I'll be sure to pop by Central Camera to pick up some restaurant recommendations. I, Have I misunderstood what your podcast is about? Because it seems to be mostly about food. I, we don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know where I got the impression that we talk about food on the podcast. but uh, 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 There is a... a um, P.S. Bond. By the way, Johnny, apparently there's a liquor that's only available in Chicago, and it sounds like just the kind of kerosene and cough syrup concoction that I love. Love. Ever tried Jepson's Malort? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, we we didn't have any when Mike was in town, but it was discussed, and then we all pretend to forget that it, we we pretended to forget that it got discussed so that we wouldn't have to drink it. Um, what what is it? Uh, I'm trying the uh, the best description I ever heard of Jepson's Malort um, was that if if they if a like a nasty prostitute was a liqueur, it would be called <laughs> Jepson's Malort. That's the, I don't know. I'm not sure how else to describe it but that to me was the best description um i, I can put a link in the uh i can put <laughs> a link in the prostitutes the johnny knows <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i can put i can put a link to uh, you know uh the jepson's malort uh malort faces there's a whole thing on on youtube since we're talking about youtube of people who do a shot and then they they film them after immediately you know while ingesting the shot and they all make this face that just says god if this tastes like a nasty prostitute i mean it's like <laughs> it, it's getting worse yeah so i i can put a, i can put the uh video on in the show notes because there's really not a way to describe how rancid this stuff is 
Can I just double check something? This is a Classic Lenses podcast, not a Sony 16 podcast I'm on right now, isn't it? Because I really need to know whether I should have been muting all of that last sentence. <laughs> it, I, I think it will actually go out. So what, what can you say? There was, there, was, there, was, there was no particularly strong swear words from, from Johnny this time. There was one earlier, but you know the rest of it, well, what can you say? It was all factual. Yeah, this is all factual. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say before you jump onto the, um, the the last last thing that we've got for you there, Graham. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, I've had a few conversations with Mike on on in chats in various places on on, on the internet uh, th- this week, and I just generally every time he said something I didn't particularly like, I've just been trolling him with a gif of a hot dog with ketchup on it, a spinning one. <laughs> And it's been driving him nuts. So uh, because that's the way that really hot dogs are meant to be had with just ketchup. I I, I I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea that there would be audio books read by people with Chicago accents, and that anybody would want to actually hear that. I. Well, that was, a, that was the point. Some I don't know who, who it was, but I mean, we've had probably more correspondence about that show than any other, and it was almost all food related. It's a uh-huh. case of like, you know, why do we bother talking about cameras and lenses? Um, yeah. but, but I think one of my favorite comments were, there was just how how you, Johnny, apparently <laughs> continued into this this um, slip into a broader and broader Chicago yeah. accent as, <laughs> as the show went on. Yeah, it does happen. It's kind. Of, it's it happens when you get more than it's it happens when you get more than two of us together the locals that the accent comes out it just the way it works yeah it's like the super fans thing with the coach dicka you know that thing have you guys ever seen that you probably have never seen that i'll put a link i'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch the video about the guys talking about coach dicka right um okay well just just before uh, we uh, finalize these with, uh, with with Graham. Um, we're going to move on to coffee donations, uh, and I'm going to read a couple of these out. So I just want to say, I was going to say, give thanks. Um, say thanks to uh, Shia Morrison, who donated to us this week on coffee.com. Uh, just uh, search for um, Classic Lenses Podcast, and if you want to donate to us, it will be great. Um, and uh, he sent four coffees, exclamation mark. Uh, one extra for Mike, um, as it was excellent to listen to him and hear and and also to hear about the Ektar Xenon link, um, which was good to know. Uh, Lawrence Dunn um, dropped us something. Uh, Nigel Cliff uh, did the same again, and uh, he wrote to us, nothing insightful or pithy to say this week. Thank you, Nigel. Um, and, um, <laughs> and James Thought also uh, donated to us as well. Um, but we, we do actually have a, a, a star donation. Uh, not don- Yeah, donation and comment this week, which, uh, Graham, it would be great if you could do, do it justice. Uh, it's an absolute honour, actually, to read this one out, because for one thing, it's from a good friend of uh, myself and of the show, from Jeremy North, which is always lovely to read something out from Jeremy. Also, it is the most prescient. I, I think Jeremy might be psychic because this this comment very much makes it feel like he does. Um, and say, you have the best guests and the best banter. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm given that what, what put us at Sunny 16 in second place is things like having, you know, Simon and Johnny come on our shows and has really lowered the guest bar. Um, <laughs> obviously, because this is Jeremy, this is a, a complete result. So there is a follow-up to the nice, nice bit. Um, please ask Perry to stop saying like every other word. <laughs> is uh, thing you can do, Perry? <laughs> He is mishearing me. I'm not saying like, I'm saying like, uh. 
Like one of those Mr. Burns Boo Earns situations. <laughs> so you're, um, just, you're just giving us sub, subliminal messages every, every week, and I was like, yeah. I must admit, I've, I've never picked up on this liker, you know. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, this is what happens, Simon, when you let millennials onto your podcast. This is why you know. Actually, I think Rachel's a millennial, um, but. Uh, you know, as the, the, the two men, we try not to let the woman speak on the podcast, and that really brings that problem down. So. <laughs> oh. Right. Well, I think on on on, on that note, um, let's let's move things on to the real reason why you're on with on uh, on the show with us at this moment. Because you're not actually going to be here for much longer um, on on this show, at least anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've Ouch. rang up. I dialed into this show wow. to get the results from my recent doctor's appointment. <laughs> Doesn't sound like they're good. Uh, and um, so, so what it's what it's about is um, we've talked a few times now about this conical lens uh, that is uh, clearly too cheap for Perry to enjoy. I thought you just collapsed on us there. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so yes, so we got this uh, Konica 40mm 1.8, which was the uh, lens that our listeners voted that we should go out and buy and send to Perry and make him enjoy it. And he says he's enjoyed it, but he, he's quite happy to see the back of it and give it away to a listener. Um, now, yeah. we asked. Uh, for suggestions, uh, because you know, only an idiot would have a photo competition um, on a podcast. You know, because I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. <laughs> so, so, um, so. We... And, but, but at least when we do this, we get a guest on who's actually qualified to speak about the topic. Very true. <laughs> I like power lines in my subject matter. <laughs> Yeah, if 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 anybody if anybody has not listened to Johnny on the Sunday Sixteen podcast uh, or two episodes of the Sunday Sixteen podcast talking about landscape photography, which he knows nothing about, um, for probably about five hours, um, I don't know what. Can you remember what the episode numbers were? Uh, it was it was, was it earlier on this year at least, wasn't it? I think. I think it was about 110 to 116. I think. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember. I'm afraid. Um, I, it was no. It must have been. It was last year because it was shortly before we brought in an entirely new podcast. Because doing those podcasts with Johnny <laughs> made us realise that oh, this has got out of hand. We need to we need to truncate this in some way. So, um, yes, I think it was. Oh, it must have been about this time last year. I think Johnny. Think, I think yeah, I believe it. I believe I believe it was, if my bladder recalls correctly. <laughs> yeah, you haven't urinated since then, have you? <laughs> no, no. I got I got rid of that uh, that terrible infection I had from holding it for so long, <laughs> and then peeing into a cup under the under the under the you know the the desk while I was speaking. That that wasn't too yeah. wasn't wasn't I'm, too good for me, health wise. No. I'm assuming yeah. you just went with the bag when you went on the negative positives podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I just wore the bag. Yeah, I wore the bag. And now I, I just I typically wear depends every time I go on a podcast. It's also a problem. <laughs> uh, um, okay, well um we we had uh, suggestions. I love we... it when it's Simon gets that, that sound in his voice, like I can't believe this podcast was my idea. I can't believe I I, I put put these people in contact with each other and brought them on this podcast. Because look at what look at the chaos that's ensuing 
Yeah. I love that when he gets that sound in his voice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now that you're in our podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, for Johnny, it is the wee small hours of the morning. <laughs> I need to move this on. Um, so we, we, we invited our listeners to come up with a, a, a better way of uh, giving, the, giving this lens away. Because we, we could not... <laughs> Um, because we, we couldn't think of one and, uh, Robbie Jameson, uh, did actually drop me a line somehow and we, and we lost, lost that communication. I have no idea where, where he went to, but he did actually su suggest at the time, this is quite a few weeks ago about coming up with some kind of poetry, uh, to do it. And, uh, which definitely seemed to be the best idea that we could have come up with, um, <clears throat> But we put it out there um, for the for the rest of uh, our our listeners, and uh, we there was a pretty staggering response, um, probably half of them by Lawrence Dunn, um, and uh, yeah, there, there were there were some great ideas in there, some more dubious uh, ideas, uh, but the the idea that caught our attention the most um, was by James Cleveland, which is a, a variation of uh, Rob Jamieson's idea, and that will be to have a haiku competition. And that was also seconded by um, Ben Reynolds as well. Um, so we thought, yeah, that's a good idea. And uh, which then had to go away and thinking, well, what actually is a haiku? Um, and I think on that note, um, I'm going to hand over to Graham because Graham's quite learned in, the, in this field. Yeah, yeah, I am, and and I'm, I'm, an, I am literally in this field as we sit and record this. I'm sat on a wall in a field in the rain. This is what I'm doing for you guys. Um, so yeah, for people who don't know, haiku is uh, it's actually a Japanese word. It's a Japanese word for a, a small, boring poem, um, and it's been around since it's been around for a very long time, since at least the 1960s. Um, and the best way of thinking about them is that they're a bit like a limerick, only they're even shorter. They're not really funny, and they don't tend to have people from Nantucket in them. So if you can just picture that now, I think you've got a good idea of what a haiku is. Um, they are three-line poems. So the great thing is with a haiku is that they're perfect both for pretentious people, because it's poetry, and lazy people, because they're really short. So um, the structure is, it's uh, done in syllables. So the structure is five syllables then seven syllables in the second line and then five syllables again. And you're trying to conjure up uh, a kind of emotive scenes and phrases to give you a feeling of place um, uh, of where you are. I think that's the general idea historically. Um, you can sort of go back and read some of the uh, traditional Japanese ones. Um, th they are quite boring. I... <laughs> Graham, we've lost you. Come back, Graham. No, he can stay. We're not so very boring. I have to check that out. Oh, you're um, back. You're back again. You, we, we lost you there after you, after you said that uh, Japanese uh, haikus are boring. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's that's enough. How how much of the Japanese? <laughs> that was enough of a hole, <laughs> was it? <laughs> um, so yeah, well, was that, was that enough for a description? Yeah, and they don't have to rhyme. And they don't have to rhyme. No, no. But if they do. Uh, rhyming the good for the you. The, well, exactly. The <laughs> if you can get the first and the last line to rhyme, well done. But don't rhyme the middle line. Just the first and the and the third, or else. I mean, to be fair, nobody ever rhymes haikus. That's not a thing. Again, you're confusing haikus with limericks. Um, <laughs> don't do that. That will be the next 
giveaway competition will be limericks yeah, and will feature many people from Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do do you have an example of a haiku, Graham? Uh, okay, hang on a second. I did this earlier. Um, I will find mine now because <laughs> I said I'm on the phone and it's in the rain, and phones and rain are not a great combination. Um, well, in that case, so, well, uh, we, well, we, I could always just go straight over to our, our Asia correspondent who will naturally have the best haiku. That's racist. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, that was, that was bad. Oh. <laughs> uh, you, you want me to read it? I'm not, you know, I'm not you know, I, say, you know I said, I didn't say Asian, I said Asia. I fail to see the difference. <laughs> I do have a haiku ready. Um, although I'm not entering the competition, so I don't know why you made me do this. But so, do you want me to read it in like my best Japanese haiku voice? Oh, absolutely. We'll so play some like Zen music in the background. 4CM pancake. Not a very good breakfast. But pretty nice lens. <laughs> That's that's exciting. I was wondering, I must admit, I was wondering where that was going, but that came that came together quite nicely at the end. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> it took me two minutes. I was taking it. A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Uh, how about you, Johnny? Have you have you have you have you done as have you done one? Because I know you you're not not exactly a fan of these giveaways, are you? You you, you know you know I did one. You know I did one, Simon, and I am not going to read it. You can read it if you like. Oh, I haven't got it. But it'll sound better in your voice. Uh, it's even better with Graham's, but I, it's it's lost. I don't know where it is. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. never mind. One well, one day it'll it'll it will surface. I'll I'll I'll, f- I'll find it and drop it in the chat if you or we'll really just, would like me to do that. Or we can put it. We can always put it in the show notes. Yeah, we can do that. Are we letting Johnny not read his haiku here? Is that what's happening? No, it's lost. We don't know where it is. (laughs) That sounds like bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, somebody look look who look who found it. All right, there you go, Uh, Graham. If you'd like to do the honors, that's Uh, it's going to sound better when you read it. So, okay, here we go. Lens giveaways suck. Make the summer bitches buy them. Jeremy Greenthumb. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was crafted just for my appearance. Thank you. It, it was. <laughs> yeah. And what do you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I, the first time I read, first time I, I saw you put that on, I just thought it was some kind of statement. I didn't even know it was a haiku. Yeah, and then, too. and then. I, after writing the haiku, I recognised it for the art form that it was. Ah, yeah. see, and see and now I now having having Graham actually read it out, I now actually understand the last line. <laughs> <laughs> Context is everything. 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 Okay, well, I'll I'll do mine. Uh, here, we, here we go. This is my first first ever haiku. Um, okay, the challenge is set. A conica will be free. Just write a haiku. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's managed to write a marketing haiku. <laughs> uh, okay, I found mine now. Um, uh, here we go. Streets alive with joy. Pictures tedious drivel. eBay has answer. I wrote that guy thinking of you. 
wrote that thinking of you guys. That that was that was quite deep. And again, I, I I did see that earlier. I didn't quite get it until you actually read that, and it makes so much more sense now. That's that's that, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I think what you've managed to demonstrate there between all of those haikus is that haikus can be any old rubbish thrown together as linguistic forms yep. within or close to that format. Exactly. I mean, there are. I mean, I, I googled this because I had no idea what a haiku was. Um, <laughs> And there are some um, very easy uh, to understand uh, tips about writing haikus. So just just Google it or whichever search engine that you use, and uh, and it, it it sort of you'll get some ideas about how how to make these things hang together. Um, the other thing is, of course, you know, it's it's quite a challenge to make a good haiku, but it, and it's but it's probably less of a challenge to do a bad haiku. We don't really mind whether the the haiku is good or bad as long as it's interesting. Um, and the I, I think the, I mean we've not actually fully discussed um, what exactly kind of haiku we want. Um, I'm of the opinion that it needs to be relevant to. Uh, either the lens giveaway, um, classic lenses, the podcast, um, something on those lines. I know that one one person I can't remember who, who said it there uh, in the. Um, I think it might it might have actually been uh, James Cleveland actually who actually suggested in the first place who who suggested that it must be about gear, none of this photography stuff. Um, I don't know if you, what your what your view is on that one, Johnny. Um, sorry, I zoned out. I was looking. At I thought Prin- so. Princess Bride. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's why I pounced the question on there. I was just. I was yeah. Just, yeah. I was. I was just saying that. Um, uh, was it James Cleveland suggested that the haiku uh, should be about gear and not about photography? You want me to come in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> oh. it's, it's your kind of thing. Oh, oh, yeah. You mean like we could actually talk about photography and not gear? Yeah. Like yeah, like that. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. it'll never catch on. No, no, no. Um, okay, well, the idea is going to be that Graham will be back. Um, we think, and um, oh, and then we'll talk about photography. I get it now. Yeah, I get it. Now. They, they, oh, they, okay. Yeah, well, Graham, yeah. will you come back and talk about photography with us? Uh, I would love to come back and that talk would about be photography awesome. with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say also, with regards to content to the haikus, as I'm going to be coming back to help with the judging of this, I respond really well to pandering, so just bear that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, this, this, uh, this, this competition, we haven't got a, a, a firm date on this, but we're going to give you plenty of time. Um, so it it will probably be going out first week of October, maybe something like that. But what we'll do, we'll we'll put something in the Facebook group, um, the Classic Lenses Podcast Facebook group, um, just as a, a reminder uh, what this is going to be, and we'll give updates as well as to when um, the actual closing date is. But you've got at least three weeks anyway, so we're going to give you plenty of time, and it could be a little bit longer than that. And so. I have to shoot with the lens more during that period, right? Yes. Yes. More okay. photos, preferably in the daytime when you're not trying to find problems with it. <laughs> okay. And you got to get a Konica. Oh, no, dude. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Where are people submitting these entries, Simon? Oh. Oh. <laughs> See, he's, he's that's, that's radical, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, th- I think we should um, have them sent to our Gmail address, which is classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way. Then we can keep them all in one place. 
Yeah. Sounds like a very good and organized plan to me. As somebody who has badly run competitions before, the one thing you learn is <laughs> get everyone to put stuff in the same place or, or repent forever. That's it. Well, I, I think um, we should now say thank you, Graham. Um, for, yeah, I think for, you should too. Yes, for, for being with us, um, for being such a sport as well. Um, so thanks for, for, for joining us for the uh, for the last, I don't know, half an hour or so, actually, um, maybe a bit more. Um, and I'd be really looking forward to you coming back on. And we've also got some thoughts about um, the things that you're, we're going to be talking about when you come back on as well, because you've got a bag of lenses or something on those lines that you, you need some help with, I believe. Uh <laughs> I do. I would. I have got a bag of lenses. Well, not a bag. I don't keep my lenses in the bag. I'm not that much of a savage. But I've got, you know, as one does, I've accrued lenses over the time. I, I don't know whether any of them are good, which ones I should be using, you know, because you, you tend to just stick with the ones, oh, this goes on here. And I would love to get some input on, oh, no, you really should be trying this more and try it with this and try it with that. So I would love some input on that. That'd be really helpful for me. That's good. And just to help the conversation along, especially with Johnny, could you go out and buy a full frame Sony camera so you can <laughs> actually work out, you know, just which, how these lenses are, um, are really meant to work in the meantime? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As one of, like you, as a fellow sellout podcast, I'll just take some of our massive pot of coffee money and just buy myself a new full frame <laughs> Sony. That's my plan. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, well um, yeah, as you said, guys, I've, I've actually just seen a rabbit trying to steal some of my petunia, so I have got to go now. So um, next time I'll call you from like the recording studio rather than a garden in the rain that I'm working from. But um, thanks for having me, guys. Catch it. Catch it there. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you again. Bye. Thanks, Graham. Bye bye. Right. Now, before we go any further in the podcast, I've yet to say thank you to Mike Novak. I mean, we talked about him a few times already, uh, but uh, thanks, Mike, for being on the show last week. Uh, it was great to hear, great to have that uh, um, culinary journey through uh, through Chicago last week. Really enjoyed that. So, And also that chat about cameras as well. There's some good stuff in there. So thanks again there, Mike. And one more thing that we've I've just realized there was one other piece of correspondence uh, that, that came through. And this, this is actually one of the things that can be a problem sometimes. If anybody communicates with, with me in particular and want, uh, regarding the podcast, it's always best to do it via email because if it comes through on Twitter or Instagram, there's a very good chance I'll forget about it at the point of where, where we're sitting here at the moment. But, uh, uh, but we did have one more thing to read out from Scott Graham on Twitter. And uh, so I'm going to hand over to you, Johnny. Right. This is from uh, Scott. How do you? Can I ask a question? Technical question, real quick. Yeah. Seeing as how, it's how Jared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was going to be about the Graham thing because because you know Graham has just left us, but we have a question from Graham. Is there is there a slight difference in pronunciation between Graham and Graham? No. Uh, well, that, that second pronunciation is is utterly alien to me is it like v v vlad and vlad it, it could be but it's um uh oh God, i'm really awful with names this 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 week um I, homemade camera podcast um is it graham, it's graham isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah that guy that guy graham on the homemade camera podcast so he, he says it in the way that you just said that 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 time i can't even say it in the way that you that, that, that you do it um like the cracker eh? or tacomar <laughs> no 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 like when when johnny says graham it's like graham crackers 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just like that. And uh, whereas uh, I, I, I make no distinction. Um, okay. And, I, and I've, I've, I, don't re I can't recall, certainly in, in, in Britain, anybody making a distinction in the, in the pronunciation of Graham, whether it would be spelt one way or another. Okay. Wait, so do you guys eat Graham crackers? Uh, we have I'm in we have Chicago. Jacobs. I eat Graham crackers. Well, we have Jacob's crackers, so I, I don't know about Graham crackers, but I would say they were Graham. All right. All right. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> so. this, this, is, this is why we call him Jeremy on the Sunday 16. It just, it just, right. it just removes the yeah. problems, doesn't it? Yeah. So this is from Scott Graham on Twitter. I totally get what you mean about perspective from different formats relative to equivalent field of view. Maybe the compression of longer lenses on larger formats is what we mean, but it's definitely real. Well, I, I think with that, that tweet uh, from, from Scott Graham pretty much puts everything to bed now. And I think we can, we can move on now. Uh, do you reckon that that's the case, Perry? Uh, so, <laughs> While you were sleeping, uh, <laughs> dreaming, dreaming sweet, peaceful dreams, uh, Hamish, I guess, was up in the middle of the night listening to our podcast, uh, Hamish Gill. And, and he, he actually commented on this thread from last week's show where he basically says he's listened to the first few minutes and then he couldn't take it anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, well, I'll, I'll read it. He, to quote, he says, I've got a few minutes in, so sorry if you actually come to a conclusion but I can't listen to Simon not getting focal length slash format size anymore. It's genuinely starting to make me feel anxious. <laughs> Simon, watch this video. And then, and then he posts a link, uh, which then explodes into a excessively long chat between Ben Reynolds, uh, Hamish, and myself. Um, I mean, it, it, no. The compression... Compression is not a real thing, but like it, the funny thing is, um, Hamish started messaging me privately to talk about this, and then we started, and we started talking about 3D pop and stuff. And he was just like, I could, I could see the veins on his forehead like coming through the text, uh, <laughs> to the point where I was on my way to work, and then he was like, Perry, Perry, can I call you? <laughs> you you want to call me from the UK to get it off his chest? Uh, well done, Simon. <laughs> look, what, look what you've done. Yeah. Um, well, well, obviously, I, I, this is actually the first time I've seen this 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 thread. So I need to go away and 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 read this thread. Look at the videos. Read all the articles, and and so on and so on. So perhaps within this this thread uh, in the Classic Lenses podcast group, which is um, from the main. Uh, post from last week's uh, podcast there so ep episode 83 um I, I, w I will go away and read read these things and if i don't understand it or all the things that are said there just disagree with me then um i will i'm gonna i will take this to the large format uh, photography podcast uh, the, the next episode because we we have a learned guest uh on the next show and we're actually going to be uh, inviting people to ask questions about large format photography. So I think I might write it right into that show um, and put the, the question to, I think his name is Sandea. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Sandea Lynch. You mean, or, get a, 
you're gonna write into your own show. <laughs> I think I might. I think I might have Can to. Can we do that? I'll, I'll probably. I'll, I'll. I'll do it under a pseudonym. I think. Uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and and I'll I'll ask I'll ask that question and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what what answers get because as I say I you know as as Ricardo Bayon uh, picked out in the summary of last week's show. Um, I think I've, I said something on the lines of um, about this um, uh, discussion about compression and the fact that it might not be about compression at all. Um, yeah. And um, because all of the things that people see, say to me, they all make sense. And I, I agree with and I can see that there's a this F stoppers uh, thing about uh, how lens compression and perspective works. I, I know what that's talking about. That's uh, but it's whether or not that addresses my specific point. Um, and Hamish is there at the moment. It does. It does. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it, might, it might do Hamish. You know, so, you know, this, this is why we do these shows. We, we do these things to learn or to get things into my thick head. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we, we, it, yeah, the world is a better place eventually. Um, so we will get to the bottom of this one. And we'll, I, <laughs> can't I, I, we already have done, but there you go. I, I am curious that if you uh, and Scott Graham are talking about something, I mean, like, there are differences in the way that large format uh, and other formats look, for sure. But perspective is not one of them with the camera in the same position. So th this whole compression distortion perspective thing is a non-starter. But, but if you guys are talking about some kind of perceptible dis difference, uh, yeah, I'm super curious to know what you guys are actually referring to, because it's definitely not... This compression nonsense. Just, just, just to reiterate the the the, the point. I'm I'm saying yeah. that you'd, you'd look at an old photograph that was perhaps taken in the 30s or something like that of a <laughs> historical location that you can go to today, and you turn you turn up there with your your smartphone or uh, or, or whatever device it is, um, and you you try and replicate the shot. I'm uh -huh. saying that I I believe that you're not going to be able to manage it. Um, you'll get something, you'll get an approximation of it, but it just won't quite look the same. And I'm not talking about depth of field here now, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and that kind of look. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you, I believe that you won't be able to just like overlay a cropped version of, of, of that shot oh. o over the, over the other photograph. Really? That's, that's, that's my, this belief. is what you've been on about this whole time. Yeah. Is that, is that, I, is that not perception? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Cause I have a photo that I took when I was in Germany of my grandfather standing in front of his, uh, grandmother's house. And this photo is circa 1910. And I took another photo from the same place and I've done exactly this. And it, it's, yeah, they fit right together. Yeah. <laughs> there was a yeah, drum yeah. roll then in my head. I was thinking, come on, say it. Say it, Johnny. It, it was not the same. I couldn't do it. Well, it, it, clearly you were both using the same format to take the photograph. Um, well, that's the only yes, explanation. Yes, the photograph of my grandfather in 1910 was taken, was taken with a Canon DSLR, of all things. <laughs> I mean, how, who would have known? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, there, there may have been something out there that were approximated to APS-C in Canon size with a 1.6 crop against um, yeah, today, today's exactly. full frame. So, so, so yeah, that so no, that's that's not conclusive proof to me. I'm sorry. Um, 
but uh, I will I will uh, put this 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 question, and hopefully we'll we'll put this question to bed if people don't keep on writing in, um, and uh, we can we'll be able to move on. So uh, so there we go. So um, um, apologies to Hamish again. You know, uh, a number of episodes ago, um, shortly after I joined you guys as a host. Uh, I remember briefly bringing up the, the topic of perspective and going on this kind of little mini rant about how it has nothing to do with uh, focal length. And back then, Simon, your response was like, ooh, this is a huge can of worms. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, what, what? What are you talking about? No, it's not. And now, now, I, now I see. <laughs> you found it out now. I, I'm yeah. surrounded by worms. I can't find any of my lenses. Just worms everywhere. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a case of when you, when you finally understand that the world is flat, as I understand it, then these things start to make far more sense. Uh, at least I can go fishing with them. <laughs> Right. Okay. So uh um let's 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 move on. I feel like we haven't even started the show yet. <laughs> um Perry, what have you been up to this week? Oh, okay. So let, let's start the podcast. Um yeah, no, it's been a cool <laughs> it's been a it's been a pretty cool uh week for me. Um I'm not gonna talk about food. Uh on Saturday I had a pretty cool day where I met up with a member of the Classic Lenses podcast Facebook group. Of, he's a listener of the podcast. His name is uh, Jean-Marc Duong. I think that's how you pronounce the surname. And he got in touch with me uh, just to kind of meet up and, and go shoot. And it turns out that he used to listen to, well, he still listened to Sunny 16. And as I mentioned, when Graham was here, he discovered the Classic Lenses podcast when Aid came on the show. I was, I was just going to say, the way he said, like, uh, you, he still listens to it, it's, you made it sound like you're surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I, I still listen to the Sunday 16 podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway. me too. <laughs> me too. I was going to tell Graham to try putting more of his lenses in toilet rolls because that's what their episode this week was about. Um <laughs> So it, so it turns out anyway that uh, Jean-Marc, he, he literally lives like down the road from me, uh, a five-minute walk. So we met up and we went for a little photo walk. He brought his Leica M6, uh, his black one, because apparently he also has two. Uh, and his silver one he got because he agrees that silver lenses belong on silver cameras uh, and not on black cameras. So it's not just me. Um, and we went to, so he had his M6, he had a couple of really interesting lenses. Uh, he had a Zeiss ZM 35F2 Biogon, uh, one of those MS optic lenses. Um, I can't remember which one, not the new 51.5, but one of the previous ones. Um, and th those are weird looking lenses. I gotta say. I think they look yeah. so sexy. Yeah. They're really? really cool. Yeah, I do. Some of them, some of them. Um, I, I don't like the way the pancake, the 28mm yeah. apoqualias look. It's totally bizarre. Uh, but some of the, the remade ones, like the Sonatar and the um, the, what, the Vario Prasma, as he calls it. Uh, it, it <laughs> yeah, they're, they're kind of interesting. Um, so he had one of those, but then he also had a, uh, what was it? Oh, a, a lens that I wanted to try for a long time. It's a top core or tokyo optical as it's labeled uh simlar 51.5 which he picked up on ebay because it wasn't labeled top core it was la labeled uh tokyo opt like opt oh huh. 
and someone and it was just listed with that description so you got it for a really good price i might just have to bleep that out until i get one now <laughs> that's, that's, that's way too good a tip to give away <laughs> yeah i mean it's a rare lens it's highly sought after by collectors uh it goes for pretty high prices here in hong kong so it sounds like he got a pretty sweet deal on it um and it, it's a really weird lens because if you look at a diagram for the lens it's, it's a 51.5 which he, he's collecting and the front group of the lens, uh, it's a sonar design. And then the rear groups of the lens are double gauss, which like makes no sense, right? <laughs> so <laughs> most of the pictures that I've seen online from this lens look really kind of mushy and weird. But I had a chance to shoot it with a roll of Cinestill, and the results came out pretty nice. Uh, but it is just one of those lenses that I I've, I've really do not want to buy, but I really, really wanted to try. So... Huge shout-outs to Jean-Marc for letting me try out that lens. And when I, when I was playing with that lens on my M4, uh, I let him try my 35 Summicron on his uh, M6. And, wow, I mean, if you could see gas kicking into someone, <laughs> kicking in on someone's face, that's the look that, that he had on his face. Because he, he had one little feel of that focus tab, and he just kind of looked up and turned to me and went, oh, Oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was super cool. I mean, it, it's... Uh, I don't know how many listeners we have here in Hong Kong, but I know we have at least a couple. Mike Epstein is here in Hong Kong. Uh, Jean-Marc is. I know there's a couple of more. So this is my first time... No, no, my second time meeting up with a listener to go shoot. But Devlin Cook, who I met up with last time, doesn't actually live here. So that was super cool. Yeah. It sounds like you've got some scope there for a a proper classic lenses walk meetup thing. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, we have enough of a community here with uh, people like Vishal from Camera Film Photo and some of the guys from uh, these local photography collectives and photography groups who would who are also into classic lenses. Who I think, yeah, I think that's totally doable. Absolutely, it would be super cool. Yeah, that that that'd be great. there was a, a, a sort of, uh, I guess I could call it an, an unofficial um, event that uh, happened last year with uh, Nigel Stanley, and I think Gazer Singer went went along to it. Um, but it'd be great if we could actually uh, organise something um, over here in the UK. But it's just like where where to hold it because I, I don't think uh, too many people. Well, I think holding it say locally where i am is is probably not the best place i mean there are certainly things to actually take here but they're a bit spread out whereas like some of the major cities um there could be could be something good to happen so uh i mean we did actually talk about this i think last last year and there were a couple of suggestions and it nearly went to something um yeah and right. then, it, then it went away again so uh I'll, I'll put the word out again if somebody wants to do something like that in the uk uh and it's not too far away f- for me because that's that's the other issue, of course. Um, then I'd uh, I'd like to take part in that. Yeah, and and if there's any other listeners in Hong Kong, I mean, Johnny had his fun uh, meet up with the uh, Novakian Photo Walk a couple of weeks ago. So if there are other listeners in Hong Kong who are just you know who aren't active in the group or anything, hit me up and uh, we'll go shooting. Yeah, cool. Uh, while we were while we were doing this shoot, two th- two quick things. Number one, I had a bit of a revelation. Uh, which I think Johnny has mentioned before, but I was shooting a bunch of Cinestill, and it, it, it dawned on me that this stuff looks incredible 
at certain times of day. Because normally, I've been shooting it as a nighttime lens where there's only been artificial light. But recently, the last couple of weeks, I've been shooting it in that kind of hour, hour and a half long period right before sunset. Oh, yeah. Where the light is either gently golden or even better when it's blue. And that combination of fading blue light and then the artificial lights that are turning on around the city just looks unbelievable. Yeah. Because normally, the, the, when I shoot it at night, like the shadows are just black and pure darkness. So I have to find scenes or things that are reasonably well lit by the artificial light so I don't just have the lights and then blackness in the image. But when you have that, you know, that little bit of twilight or that little bit of... Uh, pre-dusk light that's just glowing across the sky everything looks amazing yeah you get the contrast in colors between the blue and then the the more tungsteny or or neon colors in hong kong it's, it's wonderful yeah it's that i think i've talked about that transitional lighting where it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a it's in between it's not quite dark and it's not quite daylight um yeah yeah, that in-between thing is amazing. And I, I, I've been saying this for over a year. I meant to do it last year. But like we are now approaching this moment here in Chicago where the light in September is like that. Like it's, it's the best time of year to do that type of photography. And I, I really want to get out with uh, – I have a couple rolls of Cinestill in uh, 120. And I'd mm-hmm. really like to get out and shoot – um, a few particular things in exactly that light. Um, yeah. Cause it's really special on that film. And, and the, the wonderful thing about shooting in that light is if you are shooting uh, medium format or a slower lens, it's, it's okay because you do have the ambient light where you can shoot at F4 right. or even at 5.6 at 800. Yeah. Whereas when I'm shooting at night, I, I'm like at one over 30 or one over 60 wide open on the fastest lens I can grab. Yeah. Uh, so it makes focusing much easier. Yeah, I, I want to do that on, on my X-Pan soon because the, the the difficulty shooting that at night in the pitch darkness and artificial light is it's an F4 lens. Uh, but under this mm. lighting, it's fine. And it, it's not it's not golden hour because if you have sort of direct sunlight with Cinestill, you get too much halation yeah. in the highlights. It's different, isn't it? Yeah, but when you have sort of buildings or even clouds that are shading the direct light... And then that cool glow of the, the, the fading daylight. Oh, it's, it's so nice. So that is the best time to shoot this film. I've, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, and there's a, something I've been thinking of doing, but I, I've, uh, I've, I've shot a roll of Fuji 250D um, oh, yeah. recently. Um, well, recently I've had it um, processed. And we did, we processed it at uh, the Six Times Darkroom, which I'm a, a member of. And uh, it's the first time we've actually done C41. Now, two, uh, Fuji 250D is actually uh, a cinefilm um, with Remjet on it, which I, I assume that's more or less the same kind of thing, effectively, as um, the, the cine still, except the cine still has already <clears throat> had the Remjet removed, hasn't it? And I think it's also tungsten balanced as well, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah, the eight hundred T is. Yeah. 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 And uh, so this this two fifty D D stands for daylight. Um, but the the actual process you're meant to use for this is uh, ECN two. Um, mm-hmm. But you can do it in C forty one once you've removed the remjet, which is pretty much what what we did. And uh, the, and doing it that way, you tend to get a bit of a blue cast 
on the shots. Um, yeah. And which in the, in, the, in in my shots, I don't think the blue cast really showed through that much, but it was de it was definitely there when I when I played around with uh, color balance. Um, actually, I need to thank uh, Josh from our group for scanning them on his uh, pack on scanner as well. Um, so he they they would he emailed those across to me, so I've just used them as as they come. Um, but if you played with the white balance and you know just give them a little bit more warmth in there, it it. it Yes, it, it took them closer to perhaps, perhaps what it was like in reality, but it didn't do it quite right, and it just looked better with that yeah. that, that hint of blue in it. But that, that got me thinking when I was when I was doing that. I was thinking, well, this actually might be quite interesting doing this in with with artificial light, um, mm -hmm. and just to see how that actually works and see if you get a cine still kind of look uh, because it's already got that that blueness to it. Um, although thinking about it, am I actually thinking about that completely wrong? Um, because... uh, a little bit because well i mean it, sort of because with it's 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 like shooting a digital camera with tungsten white balance in natural light versus daylight white balance in tungsten light right that's the sort of color cast ish mm -hmm. that you're gonna get yeah. um but the color cast looks good so i yeah. think you should definitely leave it in yeah yeah no no i'm i'm, I'm definitely definitely going to give that a go and then, then i was thinking about which which camera should which camera should I use? And um, and taking things back to Konica, um, the as far as film cameras, I mean, I've got a I, I like I like my using my my contacts cameras in, in particular, but I've only actually got one really fast uh, contacts lens, and the rest of them are, are two point eight. Um, so I was thinking, well, what else have I got? And, I, and I've got my Konica fifty seven one point two. And I've got a, a 40 1.8 uh, somewhere. I can't actually find it at the moment. I hope it wasn't the one I sent to you, Perry. Uh, um, but yeah, so I've got a, I've got a 40 1.8 somewhere. And I was thinking, well, that's probably a good enough camera to do it. Because I've got a Konica FS1, uh, which is one of the, the later cameras which, which uh, uses um, modern batteries. AA's actually uses, but it's got a motor. In fact, it's actually, it's a, I think it's the first uh, 35mm SLR camera with a built-in motor wind on it. Uh, came out just before the contacts 137MA, uh, if memory's correct. So, uh, so I've got one of those. So, so I've got two fast lenses. But the the other thought that came in into it was the the 57 1.2 is a radioactive lens, and mm -hmm. it's got that yellowy, uh, subtle yellowness to it. So I've I've de-yellowed it oh. to a degree. But I'm now thinking, well, that's actually going to potentially balance the film completely. Um, quite possibly, so I may may just do that for some daylight stuff, and then also try and get out and do some blue hour and maybe some nighttime stuff as well. Yeah, because you're not going to get uh, the same kind of halation that you do uh, in Cinestill because you don't have the you you have the remjet layer on, right? No. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, when when you when you're taking the shot, yes. Yeah. So so my question actually for for both of you um, is I have two rolls of. Kodak 500T, uh, Vision T 500 film in my fridge that someone gave me for free. I have no idea when they expired. Uh, they're self-rolled. And I want to shoot them, but I don't want to send them to a lab for ECN2 because the film might be dead. So if I want to develop them C41 myself, uh, how do I remove the Remjet? Uh, there, there are two ways, to my knowledge at least anyway. Um, one, there, are, there is a commercial product out there just called Remjet, Remjet Remover or something like that. Um, so you might be able to find that. I don't know if you can get hold of that in, in, in Hong Kong or not, uh, but it's certainly worth speaking to uh, 
um, your chemical suppliers out there. Um, and there is a there's another way, and this is what we were going to do at the at the dark room, and then um, Josh actually came along with uh, with a bottle of the the proper stuff, if you like. Um, and it's I'm trying trying to find what the the chemical is. Um, it's not bicarbonate soda, but it's something similar. Right, I've heard of people using baking soda. It's yeah, but it's 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 something similar to baking soda, but it's not baking soda. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost a variant of it. I think if you actually do something to baking soda, then it becomes this all the other way around. Um, I'm just trying to find the uh, the actual chemical. Uh, sodium hydrox. Yeah. Was it sodium sulfate? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Getting confused there. I think it's sodium hydroxide. And then, and when you start, or am I? Oh, I think yeah. I think it's sodium hydroxide. I think. Um, and there are different versions of that as well. So it's it's worth getting onto Google and just just looking at. There are some um, okay. some blog posts with some tips on how to do that. And you've got to uh, warm it up. Um, I think about some. I think some people do it at like fifty five degrees and give it a good shaking and so on. Um, this stuff that we used, you literally just put it in for thirty seconds uh, without actually specifically getting it up to any kind of hot temperature. Although we took it up to thirty eight degrees simply because everything else was going to be done at 38 degrees so we thought well yeah. let's do this at 38 degrees and it was a little bit of a pain to deal with at the time because we were doing everything on a jobo and so we were doing uh-huh. seven rolls at the same time and 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 i think he was using like three jobo tanks all daisy chained together and so getting uh, you know cleaning it out washing it out with with water is is not the easiest thing especially when you're, you're trying to keep the temperature the same as well which we don't know if we needed to do that or not um, but we did um, but what, what uh-huh. happens when you actually empty the the tanks out it comes out in particles uh, because i, I thought yeah. it was going to like dissolve it in some way and you just it'd just be like a liquid that would come out but it actually comes out in particles and the instructions were saying you know uh, rinse it until the particles are gone uh, but the which we did but when you were still rinsing it the, you know the it wasn't coming out pure clean water um yeah it had, okay. had a tinge to it so we didn't know where well, we thought, well how long do we carry on doing this for and are we doing damage to the film or not so that that was a bit of a question mark but the the pictures came out okay uh, in fact some of them came out very very well i was very very pleased with them but i don't actually know whether or not we should have carried on or we should have done it less it's it's tough to know Okay, because I've just read so much. You know, I've read about people just developing it normally in C41 and then just wiping the Remjet off with their fingers or with a sponge <laughs> or something. Um, so there's so much conflicting information on the internet. And I don't know, is it going to destroy my Patterson tank? Is it easy? <laughs> is it going to be a massive pain? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest issue is, is it going to destroy your chemicals? Or what's it going to do to you? Oh, chemicals? I don't care about my chemicals. Yeah. C41 is... is it's working for me as one shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I do not care. Yeah, well, that 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 is the biggest. Well, from my my understanding, is the biggest problem with just putting Remjet through through that process is it it, it really screws your chemicals up. Um, it, it I think it discolors them. So um, or you'll certainly end up with those those bits in 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 the process um i don't think that's going to cause you any problem for your your patterson tank or anything like that um i've read those things about giving them a wipe down and all that kind of stuff um some people say do it some don't i I don't know if there's a a truly definitive way of doing it um can't really say johnny have you ever tried that no i can't be bothered to 
go to that much trouble to do color film. I can't be bothered when it comes to color film like that. That's just not, it's, it's, a, it's a bridge too far. Well, I've, got, I've got to say, when we, when we were doing it, and this was the first time we've actually done C41 at our darkroom club, and uh, Brian Truman, who pretty much organizes the club, he, he brought his Jobo CPE, whatever it is, uh, with a lift, you know, really impressive piece of kit with a water bath, keeps everything, um, well, I say when, I, when they say a lift, as in um, it's... An elevator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't go with an elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, well, with, with, one of those, with one of those things, and it lifts the um, the, the tanks up and uh, and the chemicals go out through a tube and you can collect it. It's, a, it's an easier way of doing it. It's a very fast way of doing it. And it seemed to take quite a long time to actually get the whole thing set up. In fact, it took an eternity, it seemed. And then sorting out the Remjet, it was a pain. Yeah, there was no two ways about it. But it was a pain because we were, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were experimenting. We were reading something on the back of a label and, and doing it. And really, the instructions weren't completely adequate. So when you, when you got something where it leaves some doubt, you sort of... You know, you, you do some things more or less and, and so on and so on. But once that Remjet was gone, um, the actual processing of 14 rolls in the Airbus, we did uh, seven rolls of, uh, of um, 250D and seven rolls of normal C41. And, yeah, we did 14 rolls in under an hour, which was, yeah, we couldn't quite get a head around it. You know, it was, it was amazing. So, but, but it wasn't it as simple as you're essentially just doing a pre-wash, right? Yeah, except it's not a simple pre-wash. That, but that's that's exactly okay. if you're just doing one roll and you're doing it in a Patterson tank, it'd be a doddle. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, maybe one day I'll actually take these out of my fridge. Perry, the look of the shot is worth it. It's worth it's worth yeah. doing because you're going to get something interesting, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Perry, a quick follow-up question yes. for you, because mm -hmm. not only were you shooting. Uh, Cinestill in that transitional light, but weren't you also shooting with your uncoated lenses? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, specifically, well, the Simlar is a little coated, but I have been shooting with that uh, Chioko 5CM F2. Yes. Um, and as I mentioned briefly last time, I've always been nervous about shooting color with uncoated lenses. Uh, but it looks really good, and I, I think really good. <laughs> all of my preconceptions about—I I, I guess I thought like if I'm shooting an uncoated lens, I'm just going to get flare and ghosting and uh, muddiness all the way throughout. But what I ended up getting was a, a very sort of low contrast, uh, smooth tonal gradation that I really, really like uh, in color, and. I, I just wasn't expecting that. And it, all of my prejudices and preconceptions about uncoated lenses on color in particular, because I know what they look like on black and white, but in color, they've just been smashed. Yeah. 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 It looks really good. I, I, I th there are a couple of shots that you posted that I thought looked really, really fantastic. Um, and I mean, I, I've, you know, I've experienced that because I've, I've done a lot of, you know, adapting where I've taken those old lenses and basically put them into focusing mounts and shot them. And I mean, I, I was always struck by how, how good the colors look from lenses that were never intended to shoot color film because mm -hmm. there was no color film. Um, but I've always been struck at how, 
how not only how well they render, but also how uh, how nice the color looks because it does have a very particular sort of muted and natural look to the tones that I yeah. I find very very pleasing. And it's such a nice contrast to the kind of oversaturated digital images that you see today, where yeah. the saturation slider has been jacked all the way up. Oh, it 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 almost adds a layer of. You know, when cinema photographers talk about why they like old lenses, they often talk about uh, how it creates flair, which then gives almost a, a, a visual barrier between the image and the viewer so that there's like an extra layer of depth. And part of it for me is I think I look at these pictures with, with the uncoated lenses and that layer of vintage color that's almost overlaid on top um, sort of separates the viewer from the image in a way where like it doesn't look uh so clinically real you know and i really yep. like that look yeah i don't i don't know if that made sense yeah i think it i think it does make sense it has a i i think it it's a very particular it is a very particular look that's that's different from what we usually see yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try it on portra next uh, oh to see yeah it, yeah to see how that turns out so oh, speaking of portra by the way um, Simon, I, I mentioned something to you earlier that I didn't tell you, but I'm just going to reveal it on the cast now. I'm going to send you, because you, you mentioned a while back that you've never shot Portra before. I'm going to send you two rolls of Portra. One in 35 mil, one in 120. Uh, on the condition that you shoot them immediately, and don't, let them, <laughs> don't let them sit for 10 years to get expired uh, and not shot. And the medium format role is going to be, I think, Portra 160. And I want you to stick that in your... I'm going to be a dictator here. I want you to stick that in your Hasselblad yes. and take like people pictures of your kids yes. or whoever. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> this is... This is... This is... This is thank, thank you. Um, oh, that's pressure, isn't it? Um, I was, I was <laughs> no, going to no, no, say... No, no, Don't feel pressured. <laughs> Just shoot them. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say I, I I was gifted a roll of one twenty portrait, but it was four hundred uh, recently, which I, which is in the fridge, of course. Um, <laughs> so um, so, and th th thank you, Matthew, for that. By the way, um, uh, yes, thank you. I will I will I will do that, and I will I will make it a priority to to, to do that. And and just a, just as a, an aside, um, while we've been uh, on air, uh, Johnny has been posting photographs including that photograph where there's uh is uh was his was you your grandfather yeah yeah so yeah. the picture of um johnny's grandfather in 1910 and then a, a a modern photograph and you know this is evidence of these two things being the same and i'm, I'm sorry there 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 are some pretty startling differences um the, 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 i was gonna say the main one being you know, the, 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 there wasn't a Volkswagen Polo there in 1910. I know. Yeah. That freaking car was just like, I came all the way to freaking Germany to take the freaking picture. And there's a Volkswagen parked exactly in the spot I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, other, other things, the, the windows are different. The the plants are different. Um, it's, it's, uh, no, it's it's this isn't evidence. Uh, it's a nice try, uh, but it's as it's as oh. relevant as my when I had a go at it. So the perspective uh, is exactly the same. It's exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, mm. I think I was maybe. I'm looking at it. I could have taken like three steps to the right. 
and it would have been a little bit better, but you know, it's and the closer. best I could do. Yeah, you would have had looking, to. Yeah, but you also would have had to have gone closer. Looking at a photo in my hand from 1910. No, you would have had to have gone closer as well because you know that that extra uh, telephone, well, the extra length of the focal length of the uh, 1910 shot is just making everything bigger in the in the background as well. So uh, anyway, we we said we weren't going to talk anymore about that, weren't we? Uh, <laughs> so on that note, to quickly divert, I have one last thing. Uh, when I've been out shooting this week, I've actually been using a lens that is, um, it's been in my arsenal for a long time and I, I always bring it with me, but I don't use it as much as I should. It's the 21 millimeter Voigtlander, uh, color scope R and M mount. And I, I just want to sing this lens's praises a little bit because not only is it the first, uh, M mount lens that I got, I actually got it to use on a micro four thirds camera way back in the day. Oh, wow. And it has stuck with me all this time. And every time I get uh, gas for a 21 millimeter lens, I just come back and say, no, it, this, this one does everything I want a 21 millimeter lens to do. I mean, it's tiny, it handles well, um, it's sharp. And I think it's one lens that is beautiful on every format, except like a Sony uh, full frame camera because of the edges. <laughs> it's wonderful on, on my Leica rangefinders, obviously. Uh, on the Leica CL with the external finder, it's perfect. And I've just been having so much fun with it. And on a Fuji, it is really good because it handles uh, really nicely. The size is perfect on a Fuji. And it gives you about a 32 millimeter uh, yeah. field of view. Yeah. And then you stick it on micro four thirds and you got a 42 millimeter lens. So I think it's just, it's this one lens that is so versatile. But when you put it on a camera that it's designed for, um, it's just this great little ultra wide that you can carry around everywhere i love it yeah and and by crazy coincidence i've been shooting the same lens this week actually nice. for about two or three weeks um because this is the lens i put on my uh my bessa l x pan which is mm -hmm. also known as the bessa l with the uh minolta panorama mask inserted and then I've taped over the viewfinder to give me a panoramic field of view in my viewfinder. So I've been using the same exact lens, um, just the uh, screw mount version. Um, and uh, yeah, it's funny. I've had this lens a long time as well, which I did also originally get to use on uh, my Fuji, um, Fuji mirrorless. Mm -hmm. So I originally bought it for that and I've kind of hung on to it this whole time and, and, really enjoy shooting it on the uh the Bessa handles really well it's just so nice and small and the the angle of view is a lot of fun to work with i i actually found on the fuji um i was never always quite satisfied with it because i feel like the rendering on the fuji or at least on on digital has a bit too much midtone it's a bit flatter through the midtones than say like the 15 millimeter uh, Voigtlander or the 25 millimeter Voigtlander. So it, it, to me, it always had a bit of a, a flatter rendering on digital that I wasn't super fond of, but I think that, um, since I'm shooting it on, uh, film and I'm using specifically, I've been using, uh, uh, Ilford XP2, it, uh, the, the tonal range on it is like right in the place where I want now. So, yeah, I've been shooting this lens a, a ton again lately, and I, I've been really enjoying it, especially with that kind of crop, um, 
angle of view and that that crop format it's been a lot of fun yeah i I mean on digital the the flat tonality in the in the mid-tones i think i know what you mean for black and white at least yeah it's very yeah it's very noticeable yeah it's Uh, it's specifically for black and white yeah 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 and it it you know it's not a perfect lens it can flare like crazy uh in direct light it's got a quite a bit of barrel distortion for people yeah. who care about that stuff but, but i don't right. care if i'm shooting ultra wide yeah it's 21 millimeters come on <laughs> yeah yeah actually that that just reminds me of something there about uh barrel distortion there um and I, at one point i was going to talk about it and then decided not to bother but i see you brought it back up there i think it's an interesting one especially with the way you just framed it there about you know if you're that bothered about it um because going going back to one of the photos that I took with that 250D um, was in a cattle market. With then there was no, there were no cattle there. It was deserted at the time, and I and I didn't I didn't put the two. I've got got two photographs that are very very similar. Uh, one was taken on on, on um, expired Tri-X, uh, and that was I quite, I quite liked that shot. And then uh, I saw it on. The 250D a little bit later once I had that processed and the the look of the shot on the 250D was actually what I was trying to achieve with the Tri-X um, and I, I should have actually underexposed the shot and uh, and I, I the, the shot on my Contax RX with the 35mm Distagon uh, was pretty much exactly how I wanted the, 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 the photo to look um, and when I put these I put the two shots together on my own page and uh, that got a, 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 few, a few questions, uh, or a few comments. Uh, one, one of which was by Johnny Martyr, and uh, he he discussed um, how, he, how he was. I think he was basically disappointed with the performance of the uh, Distagon shot, uh, saying there was uh, some there was too much barrel distortion in it. And uh, and I, I carried the conversation on because I, I thought it was quite interesting because I just didn't see it. I didn't see any barrel distortion at all, but it was, and that's largely because I just don't go looking for it. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm and I'm and I'm not trying to make a criticism there of, of of somebody that that would pick out the distortion because we all take photographs in our own way and we have a you know, the things that are important to us and and I think that for for me it's it's quite possibly a deliberate thing uh, to ignore shortcomings in the, in the lens because again that's one of the reasons why a lot of us like to use the older lenses because we we want to have a photograph that i mean we call it character but another way of, of putting it is it's imperfection in in a shot and i i like imperfect shots unless i'm specifically wanting something that is as correct as possible and i, I just thought it was that was a it was a it was an interesting observation was john it was it was causing johnny quite some some trouble and even when i look at the, show, the shots now i'm i'm not entirely sure if i'm if i'm i'm seeing it especially when and i think actually you know i think what what it could be is the the other shot was taken with my uh, collapsible sumicron and i've got another photograph taken with that lens and that's got some pretty heavy um distortion in there and i think it's i'm not sure if it's more about pin cushion or barrel distortion i can never remember the the difference there but i think that that sumicron actually is more distorted than the uh yeah. distagon I, I was thinking the same thing <laughs> yeah and i'm thinking uh, if you perhaps look at those two photographs and take well that's the sumicron so that's the correct one and therefore the other one doesn't look right because it's being compared against something with possibly more distortion 
Um, I'm just wondering if that was what was going on there. But again, that isn't really my point. It's it's a case of it, it's just just interesting how we all take different things from our photography and we want and we demand different things from our lenses. Yeah, if, I think if you can't notice the barrel distortion, then who cares? Well, yeah, but this is that's my take on it yeah but i i there was a shot i took and i just mentioned again I, I think i put it i put it up there now i think it's gone into the uh, beautiful grainy mush group of a uh, a gate and it's got vertical lines and it was taken with the sumicron on the same day as this with on on triax and it's very mushy because the, the the film was you know it's it's well well past it and i think i probably could have processed it a little bit more uh, well more more gently it would have it would have uh, done done better for more more gentle processing but there were some vertical lines in that on a, on this gate and i'm looking at it and thinking was that gate really that bent and and I don't know. I actually feel like I need to actually make a make a twenty minute trip to look at this and park up somewhere, possibly pay for parking to look at this gate again, just to see if if those 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 bars are actually bent or not, or whether or not it's just enormous uh, distortion coming from the from the Sumicron. That's, I don't think that's a good use of your time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think it's a great use of your time, Simon. Go for it. <laughs> well, I've, 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 thought, I've thought about doing it on several occasions. And I've decided, no, I can live you know, like that. Simon, I think this leads directly to your perspective question. I think I think what you really <laughs> need is a... There? Yeah, I think what, what, what really you need is a DeLorean with a flux capacitor in it, and you would solve all of your problems because you could go back in time and you could align everything perfectly, and it would all be just right. Uh, I, I, I've been giving this way, way too much thought as to how much you're going to do this test because one of the things I was thinking, well, it's not as simple as just setting your tripod up and in the same place and swapping cameras. But so when I, I'm going to go out and do a test, I've, I've got to do it for myself and just prove it to myself. And and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to use a, a 90 millimeter uh, five by four lens and I'm going to take a micro four thirds zoom uh, camera. And I know that I can't just put the things on the tripod and just swap the cameras over because the, and, and this is a bit that, you know, you might, you can give me some advice or our listeners can give me some advice here. Um, and the reason why I know I can't just, just put them on the, in exactly the same spots is because they're going to be focusing the light in slightly different places. I mean, you know, so once, once the, no, I no listen, listen, <laughs> once the, once the say the the micro four thirds camera that's sitting sitting on my tripod, and yeah. where it where the image is focused on the on the sensor, if you look down vertically down above me, like you on a drone, and drew a line down where that line is of where the sensor is. If I put if I put my Sinar camera on the tripod at that point, the actual line where my film will be is probably going to be about six inches further back. So should I be lining up the film plane um, or should I be somehow calculating the point where the, the light crosses over as it, as it goes through the lens, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm giving it, I'm trying to give it some proper thought here. And uh, I don't know if either of you guys can help me on that one um, or our listeners for that matter. I, I don't know. I just want Hamish to be there and I want him to sell tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so I, I want to do this in sort of like Paddington Station, which is what I keep on there. Exactly, yes. Yeah, now, this I'm, is I'm getting to, better and better, Simon. I, I am not going to Paddington Station. It's too far. It's too far. So I, I, need, a, I need to come up with something local and, uh, to make it work. So I, I, I fully support this activity, yeah. Simon. However you make it happen. Yeah. Absolutely. So like I said, I'm trying to make it scientific. So, so am, I, am I right in thinking that you, neither of you actually have, have got the answer to that specific question? Well, whether you're lining it up with the the film plane or like the the point where the light, I don't even know what that's called in a lens. Let's call it intersects for for okay. argument. Sure, uh, I have no idea. I don't think it matters that much as long as you don't move too much relative well, we, to your we, subject. We can't we can't have it woolly. Yeah, because if there's that slight <laughs> difference, then you'll be saying, "Well, you should have moved the camera." No, 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 no. Back or something yeah. like that. Oh, I can't believe we're still on this. <laughs> what, what, mat what matters is the relative distance, right? So the background doesn't matter because six inches is going to be negligible in terms of the percentage change. So as long as your subject in the foreground is not so close to you, that six inches is going to make a significant difference. Then it's okay. It'll yeah, be well, close well, I'm I'm thinking of constructing a shop that's got foreground, midground, and uh, and background in there. I want, I want to try and get you know, th effectively three points of reference. So, well, so I right. think it it doesn't. I do need to get this one right. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, help us out, Hamish, right into the show. Uh, <laughs> or give Barry a ring. <laughs> my, my gut says that it's the film plane that should remain stationary, but yeah. every other part of my body says just keep the tripod still and it, it it's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna for for if if I don't get an answer, I'll, I'm gonna go with the film plane. Uh, it just okay. that just seems to make sense because that's the focus. Oh, then you you can graffiti a little film plane symbol on the ground in the station because it looks the same as the. Uh, London tube stop station, <laughs> so no one will notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, that could be what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, Perry, is that it for your week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm wondering now. Do do we have time for Johnny's week, um, Johnny? I I don't even remember my week at this point. <laughs> I just. Oh, oh okay well um so my <laughs> i i have been shooting quite a bit this week um which really started uh, last week I, I mentioned that i went on a little photo excursion um for which i i have still yet to develop my film but that's that's gonna happen i really hope today um that it happens if not it's gonna happen during the week but um, so anyway, I continued along this week, and and um, I feel like I've I've been shooting uh, quite a bit, and and I guess I I wanted to just maybe talk about um, what I've been shooting with because Perry, who apparently keeps track of not only what cameras he's using, but also keeps track of what cameras I'm using because you. You basically said earlier this week, Johnny. You need to talk about the fact that you're now using your, um, your, you know, your two cameras that you know. He basically described exactly what's been in my bag for exactly the past three weeks. Um, so what I've been shooting with is um, a camera that I don't have. I discussed this camera. I I feel like I haven't. 
Um, cause there's more of a backstory behind it, which I'm still not going to tell the whole backstory, but I'm going to talk about the camera. Um, so I've been shooting these past few weeks with a Roly 35 RF, um, which is also basically known as a Bessa two. Um, so it's, it's basically a rebranded, uh, Bessa, uh, two with, 40 millimeter it has diff- a different set of frame lines right so the bessa has uh 50 35 and 90 and 75 is that right perry that's on correct. The, yeah okay on the switches whereas the roly 35 has three frame lines it has a 50 a 40 and an 80 and the reason it has those frame lines is because this camera when it came out was sold with um, a line of lenses that went with it that corresponded to those frame lines. So the reason I bought the camera was that I have a 40 millimeter lens, M mount lens, which I'll talk about at another time, but I bought the camera to go with a lens. So I've been shooting and, and, and this is my first, well, it's not truly my first, but it's the first M mount camera I've actually kept. Um, uh, so I've been shooting the Roly RF 35, um, with a 40 millimeter lens attached to it. And I've had that in my bag along with the Bessa L with the panorama mask with the 21 millimeter, uh, color scope are on it. So those have been my two go-to cameras in my bag along with, of course, the Minolta, uh, pocket Panavision freedom Q freedom Vista QD P's, whichever of those names you want to use. So I've had those three cameras in my bag now um, for the past couple of weeks, and I've really gotten into a good, I feel like a good place with them where I'm getting everything I want to, like, I, you know, sometimes you just feel like you've got exactly the right set of tools, right? Um, and I've really felt that way the past uh, few weeks because a couple of weeks because that I've got a, a panorama, like the 21 millimeter in pano sort of like a the panoramic uh you know uh crop is is just about perfect i've experimented a lot with different you know lenses in panoramic format of various focal lengths and they've you know i've I've enjoyed them all quite a bit but the 21 feels like it's it's crop it's cropping just the right amount of top and bottom relative to its angle of view on the width and it feels like really really good (laughs) so i i I feel like it's a combination that um is really clicking with me um and i still have of course the point and shoot pano in my bag which i use for um taking pictures of bananas uh (laughs) that i find on the street and elsewhere for my upcoming book banana panorama um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty much what I've, I've been using it for is entirely taking pictures of bananas for, for the past few months. Uh, that's a story for another day. Um, but that all said, I do now have a new addition to my lineup that will be vying for space in my bag. Um, and that camera is the Zorky 4k and this camera, now I already had a Zorky 4K, but it had some problems. Um, the biggest problem being that 
there's a shutter capping issue, which basically means that unless I hold my hand over the front of the lens or turn the camera towards my body to cover up the lens, when I advance the film, I get a light leak on every single frame, which is not a lot of fun. So, so I, I really like that camera, but I was, you know, it, it had a light leak issue that was less than, uh, made it less than fun to shoot all the time. So, um, Eric sent me direct on the Mons Express. He sent me a, a, a Zorky 4K from his collection. Um, uh, so I now have the Zorky 4K and I now have uh, a lens that arrived that I found um, on sale at, at KEH uh, and got a really good deal on, um, which is a lens that I have had on my want list for a very long time. I mean, probably for... I would say like a, probably a couple of years actually, and I've never pulled the trigger on it. Um, but I, I had a little bit of money saved up from other purchases. Uh, some, I'm sorry, other things I've sold. Um, so I had a little bit of money I could use towards this lens. And that is the color. I'm sorry. That is the, uh, Voigtlander snapshot scope R. So the 25 millimeter F4, um, and this is the lens with the click stops at one meter, one and a half meters and three meters, uh, thus, uh, and is not rangefinder coupled, thus making it the snapshot scope R as opposed to the color scope R. Um, so this lens is going to live on the Zorky 4K because as we've discussed, my whole kind of theory or ethos on cameras is you have one camera for each lens. So this is the Zorky 4K camera that goes with the you know the snap the uh, snapshot scope bar. So that's the new combo in my in my stable, um, and I and I'm really looking forward to getting out and shooting uh, shooting that combo because it's a lens that I really really enjoy. Um, I have the I have that lens the 25 millimeter Voigtlander, but I have it for uh, in Nikon S mount, which I use on my um, my Kiev, but I just don't always want to shoot that camera because I find that mount to be fundamentally annoying for street photography. So I, I finally gotten a, um, an LTM version of that lens and I finally have the right camera to put it on. So I'm really excited to get started with that. And thank you very much, Eric, for sending the camera on a whim. <laughs> it kind of came up in a conversation. He's like, Oh, I'll send you one. I've got one. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. And he actually did send it, <laughs> so it arrived. It arrived this week after a, a very short uh, travel between uh, Mons, Belgium, and Chicago. So that's pretty cool. So that twenty-five millimeter, uh, the LTM version is also not rangefinder coupled, right? Uh, yes. Although there's, I think. I'm, we, I might have to look this up. I believe there is a 25 millimeter version of it that is rangefinder coupled, and maybe it's the M mount version versus the LTM version. Is the that version is it's not coupled? I know that for sure. Oh, okay, it's not. All right, because the the version that I have, the SC scope R for Nikon S, is rangefinder coupled. Right, but that's a function of it being on the mount. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I'm just curious. So then you're going to be shooting it as a scale focused lens, right? Uh, on a camera with a beautiful one to one 50 millimeter finder. That is correct, sir. 
<laughs> Which so the thing that I love the most about the Zorky 4K, one of the things is the beautiful one-to-one viewfinder, which I will not be using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will, in fact, be ignoring the viewfinder and using the external viewfinder on the camera on the, up on the top. Um, because, oh, yeah, that's a, okay. Because I used to have a Mir 3, which I think is the same as the Vorky, uh, Zorky, um, except without the self-timer. Uh, and... My favorite thing about that camera by far was that viewfinder. It's a for, great viewfinder. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a better viewfinder than any viewfinder on any Leica screw mount camera ever made. It really screw, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The screw mount. I mean, it's big, it's bright, it's contrasty. Yeah. It has, it has that built-in tint, which all of them need, instead of forcing you to buy a $2,000 uh, $2, orange filter thing. Right. Ex- exactly. It's got all that going for it, which is a great thing especially when you don't need it. Um, so, uh, um, and it, it seems like it's functioning great. Um, I think Eric, if you're, if you're still smoking as much as you have been, you need to, you need to cut that out. Cause this camera smells like a cigar factory. So I'm going to have it degassing out the cigarette smell in a little Tupperware container full of baking soda for a few days. But other than that, and that's not a complaint. I I'm just pulling your leg, Eric. Um, so no, it's, it's really nice. And the one I, it's nicer than the one that I currently have because it, you know, the, the shut, the shutters are actually light tight, which is a big plus. Um, but I, I really like this camera. I mean, to me, you know, if you look at it, what it is on the surface, it's essentially just a Barnack Leica at its guts, right? It's not that much different, but I feel like the way it, it feels in the hand and the way it handles and just the design aesthetic of it. To me, it is one of the most quintessentially Soviet of all Soviet cameras. I mean, it has a a particular look and feel to it that is truly unique to this camera. There is nothing else that looks quite like a Zorky 4k or, uh, you know, that whole line of Zorky's after like the, what is it? The, well, I guess the four, yeah, the fours, they all have that particular uh, sort of top, uh, angles and lines on the top of the camera um, that's peculiar to the Zorky 4, which I'm a very big fan of that uh, design aesthetic with this camera. Uh, jo- Johnny, you can clear something up for me now, because when you're talking about it being, and, and Perry, about it being a one-to-one and a, effectively a 50mm viewfinder, yeah. um, I've got it in my head that there's like a dial on the side of the viewfinder that you can turn, and that changes the angle of view. Yes. Am I, mess- am I losing it or, or does it? Well, the, it, it's basically, it's like a, di- it's, it's, it's more diopter. like a diopter. Yeah. Um, where it's just a focusing, it's a really big switch. Yeah. Uh, for focusing the diopter. So when you right. get it, yeah. when you get it perfectly in focus, it's one to one. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that, that's fine. That explains it. Because I mean, I'm, I did, I did play with that and I, and I just couldn't remember what, because I knew it was doing something. Yeah. And, um, and I and yeah, it's, it's coming back to me now because yeah. I had to move it so I could actually see what I was doing with it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very, both eyes open, great, both eyes open viewfinder. And it's a very, very wide, uh, range diopter yes. because yeah. I wear glasses and it's the only camera I've had where I can just adjust that diopter without adding anything to it, and I can see perfectly with my glasses off through it. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, the range is, is wild. Like, it's way wilder, uh, way bigger than any digital camera's diopter. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my addition, uh, this week. So they, the lens, so I bought the, I bought the, I had, I had bought the lens and was talking about buying the lens and the lens had not even arrived yet. And Eric, and I, and Eric went and sent me the camera. So the lens and the camera arrived pretty much at the same time. Um, uh, so yeah, I have a, it's a new, a new combo kit in my arsenal. So what I've realized now that this has, has, this camera has arrived. Um, I'm also, my other photographic news is that I've been in the process of reorganizing my, uh, my office, which has become a bit of a disaster because I, it has a year's worth of things that I've just pulled off the shelf to play with and then left out, uh, which is pretty much how I roll. So I have stuff everywhere and I desperately need to like reorganize. Um, and while I'm at this process of reorganizing, now that I have this camera, I, I, I can no longer, um, I can no longer fight the reality that I have far too many cameras that I'm not using. And, uh, those cameras, almost every single one is an SLR. So I have a big problem right now of having too many SLRs, having more cameras that I need. Most of them are SLRs and I really need to, uh, send them off on their way to a new home. So that's going to be my next project, which is finally coming to terms with which cameras I really need to let go of. Um, and quite a few are going to, going to get let go of. Oh, that takes, that takes discipline. It's gotta happen, Perry. You know, I just, I gotta do it. I've got, I have too many other things I want to shoot and I'm just not going to shoot all these things, you know, it's just not going to happen. So I, I've, I've got to, I just got to make it happen. So yeah, you got to be like Carl. Got to be like Carl. Exactly. Carl was so good at this. And, um, uh, and I, he, I, I also just can't afford to be, you know, just buying things when I want them. And and this and this will really help me to be uh, be really good about being like revenue neutral, essentially on uh, cameras. When I want to get something, I'll have money there because I've done this. I had enough money to get the, this lens without without you know just buying it out of pocket. So it mm. it'll, it'll be a really good way for me to be able to get some things that I I want to have um, without you know, spending money out of pocket, I can just, I can sell other things to get them. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about this, this new concept of selling things, <laughs> <laughs> selling cameras. <laughs> hey, can, can I bring it back really quickly to something you mentioned earlier? Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, panoramic uh, 21 millimeter on the BESA, yeah, and yeah. how that seems like the perfect focal length. So I, I, I agree. I think twenty to twenty-four millimeters is the perfect focal length for a panorama. Uh, and I have a theory as to why, and I think it's because what you're effectively getting is the ultra-wide field of view on the horizontal, right? Yeah. But then your vertical field of view is pretty much double. So when you're using a 21 millimeter, you're pretty much getting a 42 or 43 millimeter on the vertical, mm -hmm. which is a very normal angle of view. That's my theory. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I, I think you're, um, I think you're right on the money is that it's with the panoramic, the whole point is the, uh, the balance between the horizontal and the vertical mm-hmm. field of view. Right. And it doesn't work with all lenses. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, there are some that to me just don't feel right. I hate to say it, but, uh, so Hamish was kind enough to send me this, uh, what is this? The um, hold on a second. The the Panomicron, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm I'm also kind of using in the background, but I I feel like the the one missing thing, and it's this pretty serious miss with this camera, is the fifty millimeter lens. What um, lens is on it? It's it has a fifty millimeter f two point eight lens from I want to say it's converted from some sort of Bronica something or another. Um, and I, I gotta say, I think that focal length is a, is a big miss with this camera. Um, because if this camera had a wider lens on it, I think it would be, I would be probably saying I'm going to sell all these old things I don't have and get a panel micron. Um, now that may still happen. Maybe this, maybe the person who makes it can make it with a lens. That's a better fit for, uh, the panoramic angle of view, which to me would be like, you know, a, a equivalent of like a 28 or a 21 or a 24. Um, but I feel like this, the, the 50 millimeter lens is not, it's too, it's like too magnified. Now, maybe for people who shoot other subject matter, but I, I mean, I really like to shoot like with my panoramics. I really like to shoot like basically urban landscape street scene kind of stuff. Um, and for other types of photography, this might be a perfect combo, but for me, it's just, it's too, it's like, there's a, just a mismatch between the horizontal panoramic and the vertical, you know, field of view with Wait. that focal length, length, length lens on this camera. Doesn't the panel micron shoot a, an X pan sized negative? Um, it does. Yes. So wouldn't, if the lens is 50 millimeters, wouldn't you get something similar to about 24 or 25 millimeters on the wide, on the horizontal and then 50 on the vertical so that it's not that much tighter than a 21 cropped in half? Well, I, but some, I, maybe, but I, to me that the, the, the horizontal and the vertical feel they don't feel balanced. To, it, to be fair, yeah, yeah, the difference between 25 millimeters and 21 is quite substantial. Yeah. Like a 20% difference. Yeah, but I, I, I would have to do the, uh, to, to look it up, but it, it doesn't even feel that wide to me. And maybe part of it's the viewfinder. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate the, you know, the, view, the viewfinder is, but it, um, it feels quite a bit different in terms of... Uh, in terms of the, 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 the compositionally, the, the crop that I'm seeing, at least in the viewfinder. Um, I've, I've got some, something to add, add to this. And there's a, a, a few things. Uh, the first one is uh, Hamish also generously uh, lent his Minolta um, X-Pan thing. Uh, peas or whatever it's called and yep. uh, when i when i first looked through it i had this big white grin on my face uh, because it says you know 24 millimeter 
um, view but that, that, that's cropped with a decent size viewfinder instead of one of these tiny little viewfinders that you would get in a camera that can be cropped, um, usually a, a, a compact camera of some description. And I, I thought this is wonderful. I can't wait to get out there and use it. Um, prior to that, I'd been using uh, Fuji uh, DL Super Mini, also known as a Tiara. And, and that's a 28 millimeter lens with a, with a, with the, the mask that you can put in there. And it's got one of these small viewfinders and I, I quite like the look that that was given me and which, which is fair enough. And then, then the next thing that come along was, was, was the horizon and which just completely blew my mind as we've talked about that at, at length. And the other week I went out with the horizon and I took the Minolta with me. And the Minolta became boring to me because it was almost like a, a telephoto view compared to what I was getting used to with using the, the horizon. Mm. Mm -hmm. So these, well, I guess really what I'm saying is your, your, your perspectives on what's a right focal length can absolutely change depending upon the equipment that you use and what you get used to. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm trying not to say perspective has nothing to do with focal length. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're not, we're not going there, but, uh, but you, you get, when you look through the viewfinder of, of the horizon, you get a, uh, well, you, you've got a, you've got a full sized, uh, view, viewfinder and it's, mm. yeah, it's, it's really wide and you, you get that as soon as you look at it. And I've said before, the actual photographs that you get and compared to what you see in the viewfinder can be quite radically different. But when when you go from the horizon and then put the that little uh, Minolta to your eye, you're there thinking, well, this is this is it. Just feels like a telephoto compared, uh -huh. and 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 it's just gone from being fantastic to thinking, well, actually, I think I actually might even prefer my 28 millimeter cropped because then I'm getting more of a what feels more like a cinematic point of view, um, whereas the pan whereas the the horizon has given me true panorama. Well, I, I think there's something to that because I, I, the horizon is a, it's a wider panorama, quite yeah. a bit wider than the Fuji, which really is a cinematic ratio. I mean, the Fuji is almost exactly a Panavision ratio, which is a, you know, the word cinematic is very apt here because it is truly like a cinema format. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. the, right. Whereas the horizon is truly like, I would say a, panoramic a panoramic camera but panorama meaning greater than you know greater than that angle of view that would be like cinematic panorama yes. right yeah it's like yeah right yeah so i no, i i i i think you're on to something there simon um yeah. even if it's the same field of view on a different camera i i, I think i totally get what you mean too because i tried the 90 millimeter lens at a shop on my x-pan the other day and I put it on and just felt uh, this. This is no good. I don't like it. It's not the. It doesn't feel the same, even though the aspect ratio is the same. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 end this conversation on that note. Or else we're going to be here all day again, aren't we? So, um, uh, have we got? Do you, do, do, wait. Do you think? Ham do you think Hamish survived this program? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, we, we have to give him forewarning, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> we should. Yeah. We need to put a, a warn, like a parental warning, on this thing. But for Hamish, yeah, yeah. it's P it's PGHG. This this program <laughs> is PGHG. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, that's that's just giving me an idea for one of the pictures that we're going to put inside our artwork. Uh, <laughs> we're thinking on the same lines, yeah, Ivan. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, Johnny, have you have you got any shout outs this week? Oh, um, sort of. Um, I have one, and it's in the pocket of one of my work shirts, so I'll do it next week. <laughs> uh, but I do have um, not exactly a shout out, but a a reminder out, a reminder shout out. Um, and I'm just going to scroll up and find this because uh, Bob Matter uh, sent me a little reminder for something to mention on the podcast this week. Um, and apropos of our conversation of uh, real life meetings coming out of virtual connections, right? Um, there is coming up on Saturday, September 28th, which is this coming Saturday. There is a photo walk at 3 p.m. Uh, it is the Pilsen photo walk. And it, what they're going to do is they're going to walk around the neighborhood of Pilsen in Chicago, which is a great neighborhood. I used to live there. Um, very colorful, amazing neighborhood. Uh, and they're going to be meeting at 3 p.m. at the National Museum of Mexican Art, which is at 1852 West 19th Street in Chicago. Uh, and they're going to do a Pilsen photo walk. And... If I was not working on Saturday at Central Camera, that is definitely where I would want to be. That's going to be an awesome time. Um, so you can find out more about that at uh, ChicagoAnalogLeague.com. So Chicago, A-N-A-L-O-G, League.com. Uh, so check that out. That is the Pilsen Photo Walk coming up this Saturday, the 28th. Cool. And how about you, Perry? A uh, quick shout out to Jean-Marc Duong, who I mentioned earlier in the show for going shooting with me and also letting me try that sweet similar lens. Excellent. I, I don't have any shout outs. I think I said a, a few during during the show. So Perry, outside of this podcast, how can people keep up with the things that you do? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at PerryG uh, or my website, PerryG.com. Okay, and Johnny? Uh, you can find me at Sisson Photography on Instagram, and you can also catch up with me at Central Camera Company in Chicago most days of the week. And if anybody wants to make some form of communication with the show? They should communicate with us via email, ideally, uh, and send us an email uh, at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. Um, and of course you can follow along the podcast directly at, uh, classic And of course you can follow along with, uh, on Instagram, you can follow along with, uh, best vintage lens on Instagram and, and you definitely want to make sure you read, uh, the official best vintage lens program summary better than the podcast itself coming to you on a Almost weekly basis, sometimes every other week, but more or less regular basis. So you want to, you'll want to check that out for sure as well. And if, and if somebody wants to listen to the show with, and, but watch sub, subtitles, is there a oh, way that yeah. they can do that? There is. Yeah, they can do that on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I guess it's, do we have like, is it Classic Lenses Podcast on yeah, YouTube? That's okay, it. so that's Classic Lenses, look, out, look us up, Classic Lenses Podcast on the YouTubes. Yeah, and if you if you listen to if if a few people listen to our show, we'll actually get some of those. I mean, we call them videos, but they're not. Uh, but we'll get those recordings into double figures. 
So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's why we're doing YouTube, because it, 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 you get out to a far wider audience. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, um, I think we should do uh, a special shout out for, for Graham. Uh, Graham sure. Jago, should we say, or should we say Jago? Or Jago? Uh, Jago. Yeah, Jago, definitely. So, Graham Jago, uh, thanks Jigo. for being uh, on, on the show earlier, for being a great sport. Um, you can listen to Graham twice a week, or usually twice a week, because uh, he's on the Sunny 16 podcast, which usually comes out on a Thursday, sometimes out on a Friday. And they, they are so popular. Uh, they have two shows a week because they also do uh, like a letters and correspondence show called Back in Paper. And that usually goes out on a Monday night. Um, so uh, you, if, you've, if you've not listened to them, do, do give them a listen. Um, it's a damn good photography podcast. Um, and uh, actually, he's also on Instagram as Myopic Me. When else is Graham? Uh, he's, that's, I think he's on Twitter as well, actually. When you see Sunday 16 on Twitter, that's usually Graham as well. He's also on there as Banjaxed Monkey, but I've, I haven't seen him on uh, using that one for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's usually behind the acerbic um, comments on the uh, on the Twitter account. And uh, and it's also actually good to good to hear uh, Jer uh, Jeremy North's comments uh, about the show on Twitter. That could be a good, uh, that could be a good laugh. So, uh, um, so thank you there again, Jeremy, as well. Uh, both Jeremy's, uh, and just, I just realised this is a bit of an in joke uh, that um, Jeremy and Graham are the same person, but not Jeremy North. But anyway, so that clears that one up. Um, so uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter as Simon Four, as Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Um, we hang out in our dedicated Facebook group, which is the Classic Lenses Podcast Facebook group, but we're also affiliated, strongly affiliated with photography with Classic Lenses. So the difference being is if it's something specific to the podcast, drop it in into that group. If it's all about Classic Lenses, it can go in either. Um, so uh, that's almost it. Uh, you can also hear me once a fortnight on the large format photography podcast and and I've alluded to the, the fact that we may actually talk a little bit more about perspective next week uh, or the week after whenever it goes out. Um, so we might even be able to put that one to bed um, as Hamish will be very happy about it if we can actually manage to do that. We get whatever the, the theory is into my thick skull. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, last thing, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for uh, our music, which is Octo Blues. And that's it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And if you can, be like Carl. I've I, I, I mine. I've got mine. But I do have some thoughts on how to describe a haiku for people. Ah, very okay, helpful. That, okay, so you can you can do the, the you, so if I ask you what is a haiku or something like that because I, I can talk about we've decided to do it do a haiku. So would I be would it be good for me to then? Once I've said the, how we've come to the, how we've come to do the haiku as a competition, do you want to explain what that is? Is that is that how we will? I'll give it my best shot. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've got something written down. From my down. extensive you, research. Yeah. If you go completely wrong, I've got some. I've got four lines on it as well. I so. doubt that's going to happen, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> but how many <laughs> syllables in each line, Simon? Uh, seven, five, and seven. 
Wait, well, what? No, no that's 575. Not right. Yeah. That's 575. Wrong oh, how the fucking. Oh, I got that wrong last time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've actually. Uh, I've, uh, no, I've got it in front of me now. It is 575. Yeah. You had one job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, I didn't spell poem right earlier as well. There you go. What did you say? How'd you get a. F Word like that. I nearly, I nearly just sprayed water all over the Simulux, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else are we going to talk about then? Because I, I thought that was the theme for this week. Oh, oh just talking about new stuff, you know. Yeah, I got, I got some, I got like at least two things. Okay. <laughs> well, there, 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 there you go. You need to make this really count, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Counting on you for our for our entire show, it sounds like. Um, okay, I, I I am just when you say evils, I am just going to go into this in full backing paper mode. You realise that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, because you, you yeah, we'll 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 just work it however it works. Uh, okay, right then. So let's bring this up. Uh, that's working. Uh, got 19 minutes of blackmail already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh this is great i uh all right i just remembered something that i was asked to read out on the podcast as an announcement which is i can't believe i remember to do this so i'm going to drop it in our chat just so i okay no i won't forget right but that's not for graham to read out then no this is just for me to mention yeah. oh i love how the preview comes up as chicago anal <laughs> <laughs> for a YouTube Bob channel, Banner. isn't it, Johnny? Yeah, that sounds pretty much like my normal week, Chicago Anal. <laughs> oh. All right, uh, and I gotta just do my HG13. So I'm just gonna pull the PG13, make it HG, and drop it over a picture of Hamish. <laughs> I've just uh, sent him a message, and he's just come back. <laughs> really? <laughs> God, I, dr I dread to think that you've talked about what you've talked about. <laughs> um, oh, don't worry. We only did perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. This picture, that's outstanding. 